Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Running Things with Donovan Bailey. Hey guys, we are back for another installment of Donovan Bailey's Running Things podcast. I am your co-host, Simon Jane. As always, I am sitting in a room with the legend himself, Donovan Bailey. Say hello. What's up? What's up? What's up? Um, truly enjoying this little thing we got going here right now, man. I think well, it's pretty cool. Well, this is a big cool. thing, Simon, uh, but that's okay. Uh, it's, this is a huge thing and and uh, the, the the and our expectation that it's not going to be just uh, huge, it's going to be Huge, huge, like a Vladdy <laughs> Guerrero home run, right? Monster shots, monster shots, moon shots. So this is officially episode three, um, and uh, we're we're getting our groove going. I like it. I like I like where we're going. But um, we are we are at the time that we are recording these podcasts. There's a very big sporting event happening. Small, small, oh, small. I guess you're not really in it, so <laughs> right. it does it does tend to, no. to lose its stature. But uh, for those of you that are paying attention in global events. The uh, Olympics are, are happening as we speak. Um, and, you know, you may or may not know that Donovan is a very, very famous Olympian. Olympic uh, champion. Olympic champion. Olympic champion. I yes. hate when I miss it because he yes. did it five times or yes. more probably. <laughs> uh, and um, it also happens to be the 25th, as we mentioned last week, the 25th anniversary of the Atlanta Games, which is when you came out and blew away the world. It it was, it is, it is, and I'm and I'm very happy, humbled, and and uh, and and get to celebrate with uh, the world. So uh, we year. don't actually know the results of the track meets just yet, so we're we're not going to get into that. But um, I have been noticing, like on the news, that you know uh, that some athletes tend to speak out about the way things are being organized, or they find things be like I know the uh, the Russian swimmer. Um, uh, I can't pronounce her, Alif Alif Mova, I think, Alif Mova, something like that. Anyways, she was saying that she felt the games were a little unfair because of the amount of uh, contestants that have been ruled out for various reasons and that she felt like the the games themselves, the organizers were bowing to like U.S. primetime television. And I, I was just curious as to like how much preparation does that take for you? Like does TV schedules and things like that, do they change the way that these athletes go into the games? Like what what is it like especially from Atlanta, the Atlanta perspective, you know, how did you prepare for that huge moment in your life? Well, number one, I mean, as, 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 as it is in Tokyo 2020, I know it's 2021, 
but it's still Tokyo 2020. But as it was, as it, as it was, uh, as it is for the Olympics now, Atlanta was very much the same way. There's a schedule set. Uh, you know exactly uh, what time you're going to be competing. You know what the schedule is years uh, before the games. Right. And essentially the commitment that you make as an athlete is that you're going to commit, dedicate yourself, be focused and be disciplined uh, to make sure that you're at your very best uh, at the time that is set for your event. I mean, the professionalization of some of the amateur, well, some of the quasi-amateur sport that's in the Olympics, uh, these are the commitments you make to, the, to, to, your, to your national team bodies. Uh, so, the, uh, you know what? There's going to be people that are complaining. And, and certainly, um, Tokyo 2020, now in 2021, uh, there certainly will be athletes competing here that are going to be a little disjointed. Their preparation, a lot of these athletes uh, were in full preparation mode to be at their very best in the summer of 2020. And it's now the summer of 2021. And, and, and I think that um, there's a lot of athletes that, uh, either felt that one they have either overtrained or there's some disparity in training because they don't know uh you know just based solely upon obviously the pandemic and on uh scheduling tv or otherwise that they're not going to be at their optimum so there are athletes that that are absolutely going to complain did you have anything to complain about when you uh trained for sorry prepared for the atlanta games anything that kind of put a bee in your bonnet or Kind of shook you a little bit. Well, you know, well for me, there was there was several things that happened going into Atlanta. I mean, it's and and only those people who actually want to read or understand the real stories, uh, then uh, they get to they get to either see or hear um, exactly the things that occurred. I mean, we, there was a huge uh, Sports Illustrated article uh, that had called out racism at the time, and so uh, there were a lot of newspapers. Uh, certainly a lot of people, even on our, on our national team and, and also on the Olympic committee and so forth, uh, that felt that I, I shouldn't have spoken out. So, uh, that was, that was one thing. Um, you know, I'd fired my agent who, who disrespectfully, uh, he, he was, he wasn't taking instructions from me. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, I, I tend to give instructions and I want to, and I want to get response right away. He was not responding. Uh, so, uh, he had sent a note uh, telling us that he, telling me and 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 my track agent that um, you know he had, based upon his research he didn't think that I was capable of winning and so the uh, race yes the 100 meters yes y indeed you wait <laughs> yes yes indeed the, the, yeah the agent that I employed yes that guy wait I mean I still want a clarification on this because I don't want you to run through this too quickly I just want to be clear for the record that your agent prior to the race prior. Yes. Emailed you or contacted you in no some email. way? Well, it wasn't email. Whatever it was. It was, a, it was actually a note or a text. Uh, okay. Uh, no, it wasn't a text. It was a note. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Whatever. He right. contacted. Communication. He communicated to you and your, your track coach. Yeah, my, no, my track agents. That he didn't feel you were going to win. Based upon his research, he didn't feel that I was going to win anyway. What was the purpose of this contact? Like, why would you even say that? Did he have like money on a competitor or something? It's, a, it's, a, it's no, it, it's probably deeper than that. I mean, I think that, I think that maybe it wasn't, used to taking instructions from someone like me, someone with a beautiful, uh, you know, six foot two, 210 pound, you know, just you call know, yourself handsome, a tank. Handsome just call man, yourself a tank. Handsome, handsome black man. You're a tank. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he, uh, he was, no, he just was not used to taking instructions. And, and I think a big part of the problem was that, um, 
he didn't feel that he needed to listen and understand. But here's what happened. So he got fired, but apparently he quit. Okay. So it's one of those, uh, you're fired, I quit sort of thing. Right. And then, and then what happened? So I win. I win. You now. more than won. No, but I, I won, broke the world record. He called back to let me know that he had tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars for me if I reconsidered or re whatever. I mean, right. Resign with or, him. Or, 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 well, not even resign. He said, reconsider working with him. And I thought he was the biggest ass ever. And he had turned out to be someone who was investigated in Canada and someone who turned out to be basically a thief. So, so it's again, a good move. Instinct is everything. Absolutely. And so amidst all of that stuff, um, by the way, the, the company that he worked for was a, was a little known company I'll call IMG, right? <laughs> so I'm very certain that this person went back to IMG and guess said to them after all of this kerfuffle and he completely screwed up. And I had, I wanted nothing to do with him. Went back to IMG to let them know that I was difficult to work with. The fact is that he threw me on the bus, uh, under the bus because he was incapable of doing his job and, and uh, taking instructions from Donovan Bailey. So like, so you're already a little rattled, I guess. And so your prep must've been a little difficult or different than normal. No, actually I wasn't. You know, you know, what's really funny. I mean, I've always been able to, to compartmentalize things. And, and, and so I was not rattled at all. I mean, I, I kind of expected this. And the fact is that uh, my real team was Dan Paff. Well, still is today. Dan Paff and Mark Lindsay. That was our whole team. Plus obviously uh, one or two training partners, but my real team was Dan and Mark. Right. And so if, if Dan was coaching me and Mark was treating me, I am invincible, not just ready. I am invincible. There, there's absolutely nothing that I cannot achieve. And, you know, plus I have my, my father there, my, you know, my daughter, my God, like, like, you know, I had a, we, we probably had, uh, the right entourage, right. And Atlanta was probably as close a home Olympics as Canada could get. So there was, there was thousands of Canadians in the audience, there's thousands of Canadian flags already in the audience. And that was just when I showed up to the track for my first heat, heat. of the 100 meters. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool, so man. It was amazing. It just that's felt so like home. Cool. Yeah, that's so rad. And, and, and there was a few other uh, weird things that happened prior to race, right? Like the night before there was some issues? Like the, the, oh, of course, big issue, the bombing. I mean, there's, there was- There was a bombing? Absolute bombing. I, I had the heats, my quarterfinals, uh, warmed down, went home, had a great meal, went to bed probably at nine o'clock. Normal for you? No, well, it was normal for, for the track, Olympics. For a right. track, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I had to, I need to get my 10 to 12 hours rest. Right. So um, I got up in the morning. I, I mean, I knew nothing. I went like dead asleep. Woke up the next morning, come down to breakfast, and Dan looked very somber to me. So he's like, did you hear? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, there was a bombing. And so I thought he was trying to get in my kitchen. I thought he was like, yeah, let me figure out if, if my guy is focused, man. Let me figure out. And I'm like, Dan, there's nothing that you can do to get me out of my zone. Right? And he goes, okay. So what he did was he just gently went over and turned the TV on. Right? He just turned the TV on. And then I saw it. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? There's and then, a real course, bombing. The Richard Jewell story, for those of you who don't know it. Oh, yeah. The, yes. Right. That happened the night after my quarterfinals and the morning off the semifinals and finals of the 100 meter in Atlanta. So I ate breakfast and at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, when um, the Olympic committees 
and the international committees, along with the government, were trying to figure out or, or understand if the Olympics was going to go on. Uh, that, w- that was the dilemma that I was dealing with, where we did not know if the Olympics was going to be canceled or not. Right. Right. Because we, we knew that some one person had had died and then certainly there was a few injuries. And so, um, you know, our thoughts uh, were one, you always got to be concerned with, uh, you know, people the, getting injured. The loss of life right. and the damage done. And, yeah. and, and then secondly, is the Olympics going to go on? Is this am I going to be prepared and, and get there and halfway through my competition would have to fly home? So that was a massive concern. And, uh, you know, a few hours later. It was determined that the games were going to go on. Uh, and, uh, you know, well, you know the results. I went on to do some things. Right. Did you, did you have to move locations or anything? Did you have to do anything weird like that? Okay, so there's stars within the Olympic sports. And my greatest fans, just like it would be Usain's greatest fans or Carl Lewis's greatest fans or Linford Chris's greatest fans, are other sprinters from other countries. We're probably one of the only events that, that, that every country will send a sprinter, whether it's, it's running 15 seconds or not, right? right? So, especially at that time. Uh, so, I, when I landed in Atlanta, I was escorted by the RCMP to the, to the, to the village um, to get accreditation, sorry, to the accreditation um, place and then escorted to a safe house. A safe so, house. So, yeah, so I was never... And, You're and a national that, treasure, man. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yes. Wrap you in bubble tape and just put you in the car, right? Well, well they, they did that, and look what happened. <laughs> look what happened. <laughs> That's amazing. Not many people get a uh, RCMP escort. That's uh, Well, they, they did an incredible job. They did an incredible job in Atlanta. They, you know, uh, protected me the entire time. Uh, transport me back and forth from the safe house. There wasn't a real thought that you were the target or anything. No, not necessarily, but people still see security. Right. And we're not going to risk. And this was before the bombing. Oh. Uh, right. This was bef- this was way before the right. bombing. Okay. Right. Okay. So the 100 meters at the Olympic Games is no different than the maybe the Oscar winner. or Right, right. Know, it's a primetime event. It, it is the number one event um, yeah. in the world. And, and it's the only event that every single country on the planet participates in in it um media wise every media house in the world reports on reports on on that event so yeah so you have a lot of experience then with uh you know i guess distractions i feel like that's what they're dealing with in tokyo yeah you know what and that that this is exactly what's going on now one i think that it's crazy that the olympics is going on i think there's this is probably the least amount of volunteers in the history of olympic games uh that's one uh two no fans in the stadium that's never happened before. I've never happened. That, yeah. that ha- and will never happen again. Hopefully. Yeah. And so some of the mental pressures and issues that some of these athletes are dealing with. The Olympics one is a life changing thing. But some of the, you know, just the distractions that's being dealt with because of the pandemic, because of uh, training preparation uh, protocols and etc. There's a lot to deal with with some of these athletes. A lot. Yeah, I've I've seen some of the issues online, or you know, mostly they seem to be stemming from like media and things like that. But yeah, I can imagine, and not hearing what you've gone through and your experiences, I can see how this could be a really uh, a harrowing experience if you don't if your brain isn't ready to handle that level. You know, which leads me to my next thing is like, you know, how, how old were you when you at, at the Atlanta Games? I was 26 in Atlanta. So you're that's a good time to be at your prime. 26 years old is 
you're mentally, you're, you're young enough that you still have all your vitality, but you're also old enough to start to shake off some of the things that maybe might've shook you when you were younger. Well, I mean, like I said, I was surrounded with some really good, like, you know, my village, my support system was incredible. Right. Yes, I wasn't 19 or, or 14. But at 26, I mean, I knew what the responsibilities were. And also going into Atlanta, I was the reigning world champion. All of the athletes that I competed against, I'd beaten them or I'd competed against them. I mean, Frankie as all, Frankie and Otto were always really, and Linford, were always um, stellar competitors. But me seeing them on the circuit, that, it was just another day at work. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for these guys. Could you imagine your finals uh, at Atlanta with no crowd? You know what? Let me tell you something. The short answer is no. Because, <laughs> no, no. The short, no, but I'm going to qualify That's that. it. That's the podcast. Thanks for tuning no, in. No, <laughs> but the short answer is no. But I'm saying there's a different kind of electricity. And I'd never really competed in an empty stadium before. However, I believe that if there was no uh, fans in Atlanta, I would have probably ran as fast or faster. You believe that? Just because you are focused on an event and really it's about pressure. When you're standing at the line at the 100 meters and there's 100,000 people in, in the audience and billions of people watching on TV, you're really looking at the audience and all you're seeing is an abstract painting. Like it doesn't, like it's almost like you're in your living room. So those people there are absolutely relevant. It is very strange when you're so focused and you're running and you hear nothing while you're competing, but then you pass the finish line and you've done what you're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden it's a roar, that, that roar of the crowd. So yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they, they go out and they run and that crowd is like, uh, you know, there's nothing. Right. Yeah. I, I'm trying to... Th- Picture from your, you know, your experience and like have that definitely quiet. Yeah. And then you cross the line and then, you know, this cascade of chorus and emotion and all these different things. And you truly don't think that lack of it will affect any of the, the, the runners or any of the athletes in general? Well, I'm, I'm saying to you that because athletes are preparing themselves for this moment, it really shouldn't matter it whether shouldn't or not matter. it should not, mm. like should not matter. I'm saying to you that I don't know what it would be for me personally right. because every single time that I competed it was not in an empty state that is true right so so and I, and I know how much I love the pressure and the vortex of that electricity that exists right right in this case there's going to be some athletes that re- get really uh, blinded by the big light yeah. So they like the quiet and they like a stadium. They like that. Oh, I was thinking it's going right. to benefit somebody. Well, and, and, it's, and, and for those athletes who are not, who, who are used to, you know, that solace. So that nice, calm, uh, you know. Just and the and, quietness and also, on the track, you right, know, just and, that. And, and those ones that falter under the big lights. Yeah, they are going to be dangerous. The good thing about, you know, you know, the grass, for instance, he won't let the big lights uh, scare him. So I know that he'll run relaxed no matter what. He has the capabilities of, of, of winning uh, both his I would love races. to see it. On your anniversary, it would be so... It would be great. It would be fantastic to just have that moment, to just to link the two of you together like that. It would be great would to be bring fan- the goal gonna back give to him, Canada. You going to give him a call before the race? No, or? hell no. No, no, no. <laughs> no but it, it, hopefully, listen, here's the thing. If I gave Andre de Grasse a call before the race, the, the bu- and, and the- he, hold on, and he answered the phone, I'd be very upset. Okay. Because, because be I test. like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I, no, a- I, I want you to be completely focused. Sure. Andre, Aaron Brown, actually the entire Canadian squad know that I, I am the biggest fan and I want them all to come back 
as Olympic gold medalist. I'm saying to you that if I call one of you guys before your competition and you answer the phone, I would not be happy with you. I get- <laughs> <laughs> well, call me after. We talk after. But yeah, be completely focused and take every single opportunity here to utilize your moment. We are just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The more I think about the parallels between, you know, you, your, your Atlanta and their Tokyo, it becomes even more um, uh, fascinating to me to just keep going through these things. Like you were mentioning to me earlier that um, there was a rule change uh, in Atlanta. Right. We have three false starts. Three. Three false starts. So Linford Christie, the reigning Olympic champion. Um, going into Atlanta. Going into Atlanta. Right. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, he was. <laughs> we talked about yeah, this. Lin- Linford, Linford false started twice. Otto Bolden ball started once because of the race in Atlanta. Um, the rule change for starting uh, changed. So, so the, the IAAF and the IOC changed the starting rule to exactly what it is today. Right. Right. So, so you can't, so if you see athletes, so there's no athletes that's going to fall start twice anymore. Right. Uh, so essentially the, the rules got back to, uh, what it was, what it's been in the NCAA system for many years, which is, you know, you fall star, you're, you're disqualified. Yeah. Uh, just one? Just one. Oh, wow. Because yeah. I guess, I guess um, having to restart the race like four times, that, that throws you, right? Because you're coming off the blocks every time, seriously. People are always going to try and do whatever it is that they want to do to throw you off your game. I mean, you know, you know, so, so sometimes. Is that a tactic to false start? It could, it, well, it was. Oh, that, that was done on purpose. It absolutely was. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's was. completely different. I right. did, I just thought you meant legitimately like they had to change the rule because you're wasting time. Like, it's, well, you are wasting time. What I meant, but yeah, but like, but not maliciously. Like, not yeah, like. But I'm saying to you that well, before you maybe you'd you'd waste time maliciously because there's people that would fall knowing, knowing that you had two false starts each to give, right? So it's like 
but it's like six fouls in the NBA. It's like going right. out and, 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 and in the you first five minutes, rounds. You can getting, fi- getting five, getting five fouls. Yeah, you can shake off the jitters, right? Just right. blow out of the gates a little early and get your get your get your timing on a bit more. Smart, correct. correct. There were people that were jumping the gun, literally and figuratively. Wow. And so yeah, they they decided that to change it. So you know what? We're all staying steady. We're all heading in the same direction. We're all running on the same track between the same lanes. Um, you know, with the same timing system, the start rules were essentially changed. Started uh, at, at the Atlanta, at the Atlanta 100 meter. That's amazing. Lots, lots of big things happened that year. Then I guess lots of big things, man. Lots wow. Of big things. Um, and uh, so, I, I, when I when I go over the Olympic news, when I'm kind of fussing through things and trying to read things. Obviously we haven't gotten to like the majority of the events yet, but you know, we're doing a lot of the water events, polo, swimming and that. There's been some cool moments already. We, we've had a 14 year old uh, compete in, in for, for Canada. We've had a couple of 14 year olds win in skateboarding, which I think is rad that that's in the Olympics. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, I, you know, listen I, I believe that every sport, if there's a legitimate sport uh, that um, kids can make a viable living from, then why not? So I love that. If you're a fast swimmer at 14, if you're a fast runner at 14, if you're, if you're a great golfer at 14, it has nothing to do with age. It just has to be, do with you being really good. And I think that you get to compete against people who are professionals and people who have been doing it for years and years and years is amazing. And I love to see, I love when young kids, it's no different than seeing an, an, like an old dude or an old woman person uh, stay on i mean i i was reading the news and there was a there's a gymnast um there's a gymnast uh, i i believe uh she's from the ukraine i believe it's ukraine it, may, it might not be um and she was 47 years old 46 years old at the olympics at the olympics and she yeah and and, and she had a standing was ovation she at the year. one that you were at she at atlanta she, well <laughs> at, at 46 probably i'm very at 46 probably absolutely see there's a parallel right there i don't know about that <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'll be doing at the Olympics other than talking, other than doing exactly what I'm doing that's now in, or what I'll be doing at that's CBC. That's intense. That is like a very intense connection to have been competing all this time. Well, there's lots of people. I mean, you know, listen, the great Merlin Audi from Jamaica. I'm actually surprised she's not running. She's now competing for Slovenia. Uh, but Merlin Audi, I think, is 60 right now. And I think that she, I, I want to say that she was competing up until like two years ago. So, so again... If it's in you and, you know, you get up every day and you train you, and you're good enough, you're good enough to compete with the people around you, why not? So Merlin Audi was one of the greatest sprinters in history, competed for Jamaica after she, I guess, retired or not retired, decided to move to Europe, lived in Slovenia, kept training with the athletes that were there because she wanted to just stay in shape, stay in great shape. Became a citizen. Became a citizen and was beating the girls. So guess what? She's on the Slovenian team. That's insane. That's <laughs> so, insane. Yeah. So there's lots. There's lots of uh, feel good stories like that, man. But yeah, that that that's great for this 46 year old gymnast. That's yeah, amazing. And even as well, if you know, even for the 14 year old, because in the same light, right? She'll be com- well. Hopefully, like knock on wood, she doesn't hurt herself or sustain some type of injury that prevents her. But she should be competing in a ton of Olympics if she's already competing at this age, right? Like, well, let's hope so. Like I said, this uh, this our first Olympics, and and um and you don't even know. Like it, like it's yeah. so like it, they, like to me, even coaching a fourteen year old now and they're at the highest level, 
all you want to do is just make it fun for them. Just say, listen, just get out and do your thing. Like it's like there's really not there's there's no child psychologists or or sports psychologists or or, or coach motivational speech How or anything you? that would happen. I mean, you tell someone get out there and do what you usually do. It's just you know you know Ayrton uh, uh, Knighton, uh, the 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 kid, the seventeen year old kid from the U.S. He's just running. Like it doesn't even matter to him. He just broke uh, Bolt's records. He brought a whole bunch of Bolt's records when Bolt was that age. Uh, so, and he, like he's now the fastest 17-year-old that ever ever lived. Right. So again, young kids, it's an individual sport. Uh, you know, the Ayrton, science is there too now. The training is there. Well, science was always there. Training was always there. But now you got technology where you got better shoes, better track, um, you know, nutrition, therapy right you know so there's all of these things that are happening now so the professionalization of for my sport of track and field anyways has is is is, is uh, has definitely made some great headway i'm looking forward to some of these young kids you know competing for many 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 years wow i mean keeping the body in shape especially to, to do that all that time has got to be the real the real has the real struggle i should say is to maintain that level of peakness physically across your career well, I, I think that um, obviously there was, you know, in my case, there's, there's you, you have coaches that overtrain. And, and, and so one of the athletes, one of the things that has happened with some of the athletes now is that it's, it's a planned long-term career. Long-term meaning, you know, if an athlete gets 10 good years with no injuries, uh, then obviously they can put, the, and they're at the top of their game. They certainly can retire from the sport a multi-multi-millionaire. So I think that all of the coaches, the grassroots training programs, uh, and certainly the professional circuit, the Olympics and the World Championships, Commonwealth Games, etc., they are building uh, and making this all a, a long-term thing that these athletes can develop into stars. That's amazing. Um, did you ever have to deal with like an injury or like a, a heavy injury while you were in ready to race? Or did you ever? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Atlanta, uh, I had a torn, I had a torn left adduct in, in in Atlanta. I had um, my my uh, the the my professional season been going very well in Europe and Asia, and on my last competition in Nice, uh, just before it's about three weeks before Atlanta, uh, before the actual games, um, Linford and I. Um, we, we jumped off again. There's another competition we had. And Linford got out on me. Like, Linford's always been extremely consistent uh, out of the blocks. He got out. And, and you know, I overstride trying to catch him. So, I mean, I knew I was going to catch him. But I was overstriding. Trying, I, I wasn't patient enough. And I was overstriding trying to catch him. And I ended up tearing my left adductor, um, you know, the last few meters of the race. And so, when I got back to... Texas after that race I couldn't walk so I was actually getting uh, Mark Lindsay was actually giving me acupuncture and massage on on my adductor and, and, if, and if those of you know your, where your adductor is so I'm lying in first class on the plane and and I'm stretched out and basically there's a man uh, doing acupuncture around your crotch basically because that's where your left adductor is, right, right 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 so everyone on the plane is wondering what the hell is going on <laughs> and and he's there and and, and we he's doing acupuncture and and we and we obviously have to get the swelling down so i couldn't walk i couldn't walk properly so when i got back to texas for the force for the first uh four days five days i could not walk 
all right, physically walk. Um, so I was in, I was bedridden for a couple of days. Dan wanted me to come to the track, you know, so Mark stayed with me and he'd drive me to the track and, and we would, we would start doing like, basically I had to start walking again at the, because, because of the, because the, the level of pain, because he had to, he'd get the swelling down and then I'd go for a walk. But then of course it would, it would swell up again. And, uh, and, and so I competed in Atlanta with a torn left adductor. And one of the things that Dan warned me the entire time while I was there. So if we talk about all the things that I went through in Atlanta, yeah, all the things we went through in Atlanta, I, Dan kept saying to me that if I overstrided in the race, my games was going to be over. So although, uh, you know, even when the guys got out in the hundred meters, although they were out in front of me, I had to stay patient because if I overstrided, uh, then, then I would have re-injury, re-injured an injury I already had coming into the games. Wow. That's, yeah, I mean, now that we've gone over it, now that we've shown people the, you know, especially how, how awesome and uh, not only the games were, but um, well, everything you had to go through uh, during that time, it makes watching these games, like, you know, you start to, you start to imagine all the little mini stories that are happening to all these people, that's you know, it's a great, that's a very great insight you just gave everybody on uh, how that all went down. Um, wow, I'm like yeah. kind of blown away for you, dude. <laughs> no, no, let's, no, let's, it's, a, it's a, here's the thing. Every single Olympic Games, there's always going to be some great backstories uh, of, of 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 athletes and 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 their perseverance to trying to get to that one that one place or to that one uh, starting line where 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 that could change their lives. Right. And, and so uh, we know already there's a backstory just because the entire world's been going through it. But on top of that, for these athletes in Tokyo, um, there are, there are uh, like everyone's experiencing the pandemic. I'm very certain there's a lot of additional stories. And, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, you know, everyone went through the pandemic. And that's what the things that Dan always said when he actually got into the race. So everyone went through the pandemic. And everyone has to be now, and every athlete now has to prepare for the games. So, uh, whatever the backstory is of those Olympic champions and gold medalists, we will look forward to them. But I'm very certain there'll be a few. And you know what? I still believe that there's going to be some incredible performances because, you know, uh, the Olympic athletes are, you know, are the greatest specimen on the planet. Speaking of backstory, because that's a very interesting segue you just gave me. I would like you, and I, I have a bit of an idea about this, but I want to hear it from you. Um, I want to hear about your most embarrassing sports injury. <laughs> you know, since we're talking about backstory. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So my, my, probably my most embarrassing sporting moment. This is a good one. You're going to want to pay attention this is, to this. This is, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> my most embarrassing sporting moment was... Um, I was on my way to Linz, Austria to compete in the 100 meters. Um, and, um, I, <laughs> I, 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 well, it was said in the newspaper and to the media that I had a lower back injury. Okay. Right? It's a lower back injury, but it was not. What had happened was I was going to the bathroom. I popped a blood vessel. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> you and, and I had to go to the hospital. Wait, but you popped a blood vessel there. There. 
Okay. I popped a blood vessel in the there. area that we're all thinking about. Right, right. right. Where 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 blood vessels are supposed to be, are, they call them hemorrhoids. I think. Okay. Right. So, you, and was it a serious blood vessel? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely yeah? serious. Probably the most painful thing I've ever gone through, and and so I'm someone who my pain threshold is next level, and so I thought I was gonna grin and bear it, and in the middle of the night I called my agent. I'm like, we're not. I'm not, I am dying here. I don't know what's going on. I ended up going to a hospital, and that hospital was at a convent. <laughs> all ladies. It's all ladies, and essentially- they All ladies. In, it's all nuns. All nuns. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> all nuns. That's correct. All, yes. Yeah, so, we so we went to a convent hospital, and I was released. So they, they had, to, had to go and lay on my stomach, and they had to- Somebody surgically um, took care of it for me. <laughs> The most embarrassing thing. And then the next day I was at, I was at the track meet ex explaining, <laughs> explaining to the great fans that I had, that, so I had a lower back injury. So if you, did you run, if you, no, oh, hell no, you can't, you can't, I could barely walk. Um, you know, so, uh, so if you ever read about the Donovan Bailey lower back injury, that unfortunately is the most embarrassing story that happened to me anytime, anywhere in the world. That's a butt injury. Absolute butt That's injury. That's hilarious. That, that is, yeah. Well, it's, it, it, was, it was hilarious two days later <laughs> or even the next day. But, it, but, but at that time, my God, it was the most painful thing I, I'd ever gone through. This is what happens when you have tree trunks for legs. Well, I mean, well, there's a lot of power. A lot yeah. of power and 3% body fat. So unfortunately, that's, you know, every, every you, know, you, you know, me not liking water, be, being uh, dehydrated. There's a whole lot of things happening. So I guess blood vessels are really tight when all that's taking place. That's amazing. And there you have it. That's Donovan Bailey's back story. Uh, <laughs> and we'll just leave that one there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is a good one. I, we uh, had some good storytelling today, guys. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. That was our, uh, this is our third episode of uh, Running Things with Donovan Bailey, of course, and myself, Simon Jane. Uh, we are powered by the lovely people over at ACAST. So thank you uh, to them for giving us this opportunity. Um, yeah, that's all for now. We will come back to you guys next week. Take care. Have a good one. Running Thanks with Donovan Bailey.